portion of God's word that we're going to focus our attention on this morning comes from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 50. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears and I have not been rebellious. I have not drawn back. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. This is the word of our God. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our risen Redeemer. Amen. You could tell a lot from a face, especially from the face of the people you you know and love the most. If one of your loved ones is very, very tired, you probably don't need to ask them if they're tired. You can just take one look at their face and you know, tired. And if there's some tension in the relationship, if maybe someone's not saying what they actually want to say, you could see it on their face. You could tell something's not quite right. There's a discussion that needs to be had. One of my favorite parts about being a parent is watching the face of a child when they come out of their bedroom. Maybe when a nap is not quite over or when a nap is over, you can always tell if they actually slept or not just by looking at the face. You could tell a lot from a face, especially when you're looking at the face of of the ones you know and love the most. Today is the, the last Sunday before we enter the season of Lent. And as you probably know, the season of Lent is pretty long. It's 40 plus days of nothing but focusing on our sin and our need for a Savior. And that can be kind of a a long, long stretch. And so traditions have changed over the years, but for the last few decades, it's become tradition in our church body to look at this account of Jesus' transfiguration before we enter into the season of Lent. And maybe you can understand how this makes sense. We're about to focus on the reality of our sin and we're about to see Jesus beaten and bloodied and humiliated as he's hung naked on a cross. And it's good for us, before we go into Lent, to see this glimpse of Jesus' glory, to look at his face glorified with Peter and, and John and James so that we remember who it is who's hanging on that cross, who it is that came to be our Savior. It's not just a man, it's the God-man, truly God and truly man, Jesus, God come to save his people from their sins. But today we're doing things just a little bit differently. We're looking at an Old Testament prophecy that points ahead to another picture of Jesus' face, a picture that is seen right after the transfiguration as he resolutely sets his face on Jerusalem. That's literally what um, we're told in Luke's gospel. He set his face 
on Jerusalem, on the goal. And it's a picture that was first brought out in these words from the prophet Isaiah. You could think of these words from the prophet Isaiah as him, through God's grace, reaching out into the future 700 plus years and grabbing some words that would be spoken by the Messiah and bringing them back for his people to hear seven plus centuries earlier and then again for us to ponder today. We hear a a picture of the Messiah who sets his face like flint, who resolutely looks at his purpose, what he's about to do. And as we look at this account, um, as we look at Jesus' face, it gives us an opportunity to think about what people in Jesus' day saw when they looked at his face. And I want to make the point by just reviewing a, 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 a biblical story that's probably somewhat familiar to you. It's a story that we do in Sunday school quite a bit, and it's a story that we do in Bible basics class all the time. It's the story of a paralyzed man who was lowered down through a hole in the roof by his friends right in front of Jesus so that Jesus could heal this paralyzed man. When this guy is lowered down in front of Jesus on a mat, Jesus looks at him, but he doesn't heal him right away. He looks at him and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And there's this group of Jewish leaders off to the side. They're not talking amongst themselves. They're thinking to themselves. Nobody else hears what's going on in their head. They're thinking to themselves, who does this guy think he is? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And they were right. Only God can forgive sins. Now, that's a little hard for us because just a few minutes ago, I was standing up here and I said, as a called servant of Christ, and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins. And you as Christians can forgive each other sins. We can all forgive each other because Jesus has given us that authority to say, I forgive you. And he says, if you tell each other that you forgive each other, it's as if I am saying it to them and in fact, I am saying it to them. But that's a a gift that God has given to his New Testament church. That was not a gift that God gave to his Old Testament church. And so when these Jewish leaders hear Jesus say something that only God can say, they look at his face and what do they see? A man. But they hear him say something that only God can say. And it doesn't sit well with them. They look at the face of a man claiming to be God and they get angry. Jesus says to them, what's easier? For me to say to this paralytic, your sins are forgiven or for me to tell him, get up and walk. But that you may know that the son of man, referring to himself, has the authority to forgive sins, get up and walk. And the guy gets up and walks. It's kind of like Jesus is saying to them, well, if I can do something only God can do and tell him to get up and walk, then can I tell him that his sins are forgiven? What do you think? Of course, the answer is yes. Jesus is confronting them because what are they doing? They are rejecting a simple truth. They are saying, no, we don't believe that you are God. We look at your face. We see a man, not God. And so as we look at the transfiguration account, maybe that brings a question to mind. Well, why didn't he just start glowing, shining for them? 
like he did for Peter, James, and John. Wouldn't that have solved the problem? They look at his face and they see a human man. If it just started shining and his clothes were radiant like lightning, do you think then they would have believed that he was God too? No. They wouldn't have. And here's why. They were not willing to be humbly instructed by what the word of God says. And they proved it when they rejected Jesus as being God and man. Take a listen to what the Christ says again in our text from Isaiah. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue. In other words, when I speak, I speak the words that have come to me from God's word to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. Were people who rejected Jesus listening like one being taught? Were they humbly listening to the word of God and applying what it says? The answer is no, because the word of God said, clear as day, that the Messiah would be both God and man. Listen to a very famous prophecy from Isaiah that we often read during the Christmas season from Isaiah chapter nine. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, ready for it? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. The Messiah would be born, and he would also be called mighty God. If the Jewish leaders had been humbly instructed by what God's word says, They would not have been so surprised when a powerful teacher showed up who was a man, but then also saying and doing things that only God can say and do. This would not have been so shocking for them, but what was the problem? They were not willing to be humbly instructed by the word of God. They were not willing to listen to what the word of God said and then look at Jesus' face, see the face of a man, but then hear him and see him function as God. They didn't like what they saw when they looked at his face and they rejected him. This is something that is pretty easy for you and I to do too. It is easy for us to not be humbly instructed by the word of God. Instead to read our own thoughts into it, to make it say what we want it to say. Maybe there's a little part of you that hears the account of the transfiguration or hears an account of Jesus' miracle or of his powerful teaching and just wishes, I I wish I saw it with my own eyes. (laughs) I wish I was there to, to hear him with my own eyes. I wish I got to gaze at his face in glory or hear him teach as he demonstrated who he is. It would have been so much easier for me if I just got to see Jesus and see with my own eyes that he was both God and man, my Christian life would be so much easier. The word of God is enough. You don't need to see Jesus with your own eyes or hear him with your own ears because the word of God is the voice of Jesus. You are hearing him with your own ears and what you hear from him is as trustworthy as what you see with your own eyes, more so. You have enough. 
But there's still further examples where, where we, we wish that we saw the face of Jesus in other ways. Maybe for you, it's, it's been asking things of your Savior that just never happened. You thought, you know, my, my life's been going this way lately, and I'd really appreciate if it went this way instead. Lord, please turn things around. Help me to, to get the promotion that I'm looking for. Help me to find the job that I'm looking for. Help me to find the house that I'm looking for. Heal this person who is sick in my family. I don't know what I'd do without them. But next thing you know, you, you don't get the promotion. You don't get the job. You don't get the house. Your loved one dies. The prayers go seemingly unanswered. You hoped to see the face of Jesus in some miracle that would happen in your life and you trusted that he could do it if he wanted to, but he didn't. And so you weren't seeing the face that you hoped to see and it left you discouraged, maybe even depressed. We are about to enter a very long season of the church year where we once again focus on the reality of our sin and how serious it is. The humiliation of hell that we deserve because of our sin. It's a way to remind us of the Savior that we need. As we do, don't look for a face that is not found in the scriptures. Look at the face of Jesus that is actually found in the scriptures. Look at the face of a man who's really a man, but also really God. Look at the glory on Jesus' face as he appears to Peter, James, and John, a glimpse of his glory, but then look at it fade away and watch him go down that mountain and resolutely set towards Jerusalem. Look at his face set like flint. And don't forget what he's looking at. He's looking at the cross. He's looking at what will happen when he is beaten and when his beard is ripped out of his face, when he is mocked and spit on and then hung naked, humiliated. The punishment that I deserve for my sins, the punishment that you deserve for your sins, ultimate eternal humiliation, Jesus sets his face like flint on that and he walks right toward it so that you wouldn't have to, so that I wouldn't have to. This is the love that your Savior and mine has for us, has for the whole world. Our sins deserve humiliation, not glory. Jesus gave a glimpse of the glory that is rightly his, then he let it fade away and walked to the cross, not to be glorified in the sense that we tend to think of it, not so that his face could shine and give a glimpse of who he really is, but so that he could endure the humiliation that I deserve, the humiliation that you deserve, and thereby receive glory in a whole new way. The glory of the suffering servant the one who was willing to suffer for you, for me, even for his enemies, for those who would reject him, for every man, woman, and child who would ever live. This is your Savior. And as you go through Lent, remember, he set his face like flint, resolute on one thing, 
enduring that so that you and I wouldn't have to. And we're going to get to the end of Lent where Jesus is dead and laid in a tomb. And then we're going to see him rise from the dead. A whole new kind of glory, the risen Savior of the world who lives to rule over all things for your good. Not the way that you think they should go, but the way they actually need to go for your eternal well-being so that you can what? Be humiliated for all eternity? No. So you can be glorified for all, hum- for all eternity. This year, look at the face of Jesus as we march through Lent. And remember, you could tell a lot from a face, especially when you're looking at the face of the one who loves you the most. Amen.